only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit everyone. Thank you for tuning into the Postmodern Realities Podcast from the Christian Research Institute and the Christian Research Journal. You're listening to episode 28 of Postmodern Realities, and I'm Melanie Cogdill, Managing Editor of the Christian Research Journal. On this episode, I'm joined by Ellen Dykus, who is the Women's Ministry Director for Harvest USA, which is a ministry reaching out to people struggling with sexual brokenness. In our upcoming 39 number six issue in December 2016 of the Christian Research Journal, Ellen has written a feature article on gender called The Unending Bending of Gender, Helpful or Harmful. So Ellen, it's good to have you on. Thank you, Melanie. Well, it seems like this is a topic that is really at the forefront of just cultural discussion lately. And I think when people think about the sexual revolution and at least in the United States and it really started to get going um, in the 1960s. I don't know that we would have thought at this point that we would be talking about these issues in terms of the definition of gender, in terms of what people think that they want to express their gender as, as opposed to their biological gender at birth. So, you know, about a year or so ago, I don't think we heard about gender that much. It was mainly the focus of same-sex marriage maybe in the cultural zeitgeist, but now it's everywhere in the media. It's in entertainment, politics. So what happened to bring about this just kind of dramatic change on this conversation? Yeah, well, I, it's probably been lots of things, um, but I it, I think we can definitely go back to the very uh, publicized transition of Bruce Jenner to Caitlyn Jenner as being, in one, in one sense, a turning point for things is that really highlighted, I think, the struggle that many people have had with gender. There have been other, you know, prominent people like Chaz Bono who transitioned to male. Um, So I think it's been a lot of things, but, you know, when media and entertainment latches on to somebody like, say, a Bruce Jenner, it's going to be all over the news, and that just goes to even normalize this more and more. But, you know, I don't think we can talk about this without also bringing in the reality of what, what Scripture says, is that as human history continues to unfold, that people are going to continue to do what's right in their own eyes, which includes kind of redefining themselves and doing what they want as far as making an identity for themselves. So I think gender has been impacted by that as well. So with this whole um, gender revolution right now in terms of our culture, um what kind of changes have you experienced, particularly in your own ministry to people who are struggling with sexuality issues? 
Yeah, well, you know, Harvest USA offers uh, short-term discipleship and support groups for people, and I would say that in the last year, um, one of the spheres of people requesting help that has grown the most is actually parents. And, you know, not surprisingly, after everything really started becoming public with uh, Caitlyn Jenner, our calls from parents just grew so much with them calling in and saying, my son is now saying he's our daughter, or, you know, the opposite, our daughter is saying now that she is a man. And so we've had a, a lot more parents calling in, and in fact, that's probably one of our spheres of ministry that is growing the most, is ministry to parents and, and family members, actually. So I was hoping that you could help us a little bit, just help us navigate some of the terminology that's being used out in the media and just, I guess, in culture. Um, I know that in Charlotte, North Carolina, where um, our ministry is located, this past summer, the Mecklenburg School District had a gender identity training for all of the principals. And so as part of that, I did look at the um, presentation. They had a lot of words on there, and I had to look some of them up because I didn't know what they were. Um, So some of these words were uh, cisgender was one, transgender, gender dysphoria, gender identity. Can you help us sort through all that terminology so we know what people are talking about? Yeah. um, Transgender, I think uh, a general way to, to view what that is referring to is somebody that would feel that their body does not match up to what their emotional and or mental sense of who they are is. So a trans man would be a woman that really feels, uh, it would be a person in a female body that really feels that they are more male. So that, that transgender person is somebody that just, again, senses that their body doesn't match up to what they feel about and think about themselves. The idea of, of gender dysphoria uh, is is referring to that condition of feeling that your emotional and psychological identity as male or female is opposite of what your biological sex would be. And so some would say that if somebody has gender dysphoria, dysphoria that will lead them into transgenderism. You know, the, the other one I'll say, Melanie, that I think is important for us to just kind of explain, especially when we want to talk about biblical realities, is that the idea of gender identity, uh, it's, I think it's only been recently, in recent history, that that's even been another way that people have described themselves. But gender identity, again, would be a person uh, having a sense of self, of their personhood, or even their essence, based on how they how they identify in their gender or how what they sense their gender is. So there are all kinds of um, definitions of gender now. I know that, you you know, on a lot of social media sites, you can choose your gender. It used to be like male, female, other, but obviously now there's quite a few. And I know that Facebook has more than 70 categories of how you can describe your gender. So where would all these different categories come from? Are people just adding on? Or And I know some also in terms of speaking of people, you know, referring to them, um, that's kind of something new, too. If they're trying to be identified as a different gender, they wouldn't say he or she. You might say they. So how, um, how did all these definitions come, come to be? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, well, it, it does get to be, I think, so kind of makes our, our brains just spin because there are increasing ways for people to identify themselves in light of what their sense of gender is. And, you know, when, when we consider or when we believe that any one of us has the right, and, and we might even say um, needs to sculpt ourselves into an identity of our own choosing, the, the possibilities are really going to be endless. And so what has happened now, and I, I refer to this in the article, is that we've, we've gone so far away from how Scripture would refer to us in light of our sense of identity. And so now what has happened is that each person really has the right to decide which subset of their personal life, of their experience, matters the most or is going to be the defining aspect of their identity. And so somebody may um, consider their body, their sexual attractions, their ethnicity, uh, their own personal feelings of maleness, femaleness, or lack thereof, or combination thereof. And so you, you can see that when you, when an individual begins to re-sculpt their sense of identity, their sense of gender, based on their personal experiences, that's how you come up with 70-plus categories, such as on Facebook, um, for a person to be able to identify themselves or to connect with as that description which best defines them. You're listening to the Postmodern Realities Podcast from the Christian Research Institute and the Christian Research Journal. Today's guest is Ellen Dykus, who has written a feature article in our upcoming December 2016, Volume 39, Number 6 issue of the Christian Research Journal. And her article is called The Unending Bending of Gender, Helpful or Harmful? If you would like to read Ellen's article, please subscribe to the journal. A six-issue subscription is $39.50. And to subscribe, go to equip.org. In addition, if you would like to give a Christmas gift of gift subscriptions to the Christian Research Journal, we have a special Christmas offer right now for every one regular subscription for $39.50. You may purchase any additional gift subscriptions for $25 with no limit. And this special Christmas offer is only available by calling us at 888-7000-CRI. So, Ellen, we were just talking about all the different categories on Facebook but um, about gender, but... You know, I guess the Christian wants to know, especially Christians that are struggling with this. I know you said you're talking to a lot of parents, which means a lot of young people are struggling with this concept of gender identity, maybe thinking they're a different gender than the their biological gender. And so is it a sin for someone to define themselves other than male or female? Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a good question. I think that is something that probably a lot of, of Christians are, are wrestling with. And um, I think it's important for us to consider what the Bible does say about this topic, and we'll probably get to that in a few minutes here. But I would say that, you know, determining the answer to that question, I would say, well, what is, what is the motive of a person's heart for wanting to define themselves really in any way? Uh, I think there are people that are just sincerely... Um, confused or unsure, they're not really, they don't know what Scripture says about this, or perhaps they don't know how to understand some of the turmoil going on inside of them. Uh, I think about a woman I met during my first week, actually, of ministry here, 
And she didn't find out until she was um, in her 20s that she had been born with ambiguous genitalia. Now, she's lived as a woman. She's been identified as a woman for all these years um, and had no, had no problems with that. And so, again, I think the motive of, of the heart is an important thing to discern. If somebody is, in a sense, refusing to want to live as God has designed them because they want to live life on their own terms, yes, that, that is what Scripture would call sin. Whether if it's gender or any other area of our life, God reserves the, the holy right, and I would say the good right, to determine how we are to, to live life in a way that is pleasing to Him. So what does the Bible say about gender identity and gender dysphoria? Does it have anything to say specifically about that? Yeah, well, you know, scriptures, if you look up in a concordance, you're not going to find those in, in, the, back, in the back of your Bible. Um, what scripture would say about gender identity is that, first of all, it would say that our identity, in light of a, a biblical point of view is going to be, who are we in light of our relationship to God? Who are we in light of how we have responded to the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are we um, in Christ, or have we refused to come into a saving relationship with Him? Have we been born male or female in light of our our bodies? Um, So the Bible would say that we are created male or female. It talks about that in Genesis 1. In addition to that, Psalm 139 says that God was very involved. He is our creator, that he was involved in every aspect, every detail of who we are. So, Melanie, those are things that we're going to, that I think helps us understand our sense of identity, that gender identity actually isn't a biblical category of who we are at the level of our personhood. I want to add on, though, that Scripture does say that when sin entered the world through the fall, as we choose to sin, as we choose to go our own way, that every aspect of creation, including our experience of gender, including our bodies, every aspect of creation has been impacted by sin. And that is something that is so often, I think, um, overlooked when we are trying to understand why do people struggle in the ways we do. And so that somebody feels something inside of them that may be contrary to what their biological sex is doesn't mean that that's how they are supposed to live. It, it could be another aspect of how a person is, imparent, is experiencing the impact of uh, the fall, even at the level of their physiology. It seems, though, probably to the LGBT community that the gender binary view of the Bible is limiting. So why should gender categories only be male and female? Mm. Well, you know, I think that the short answer to that is that be- because that's, that's what God does. That's how God has designed us. Uh, it's how he has created us, that our gender as male-female and the complementarity of that, the beauty of the complementarity of that it's actually a signpost to God um, in creating us as male or female. God's actually given us a gift as a way to reveal himself to the world. And so our gender actually isn't ultimately about us, but about him. And so that that feels limiting to people, um, 
I, I can understand that because there's areas where God's commands in my life, it, it can feel like, oh, this is so limiting or so narrow. But God's path, God's design, God's definitions actually lead us into a spacious place, even as it might feel narrow or limiting, but it's a, it's a narrowness that leads into a spacious place of living in light of how God has designed us. I know one of the questions that we frequently get here um, um, at the Christian Research Institute, and I know that Hank answers on the Bible Answer Man broadcast, is the issue of people who are intersex. So what about the people who were born with intersex conditions? It sounds like you mentioned a woman that you met in your ministry like that. Are they in sin if they're not sure what their gender is, if they're male or female? There's a question there. Yeah, absolutely not. I mean, if somebody is not sure about that or if somebody lives with intersex conditions, which, yeah, Hank's talked about that, but for for your listeners that might not be familiar with that, that would refer to when a person's genitalia do not match the female or male genetics of, of who they are. This is a very, very tough experience. And my my first the first thing i um i want to encourage people with is our response to people that are in that situation must be filled with compassion and kindness but for somebody in the mix of that that's wrestling um and even trying to understand are they male or female that is not sin um how we res- how we respond to our circumstances that's going to more determine are, are we responding in a way that is pleasing to God or not. But to be wrestling with just the sense of understanding that, no, I, I would not say that is sinful. Well, I know you talked about we um, parents coming to you, and we mentioned that earlier. And it seems to me I've been reading um, some stories in various um, newspapers just about younger children who are really feeling convicted that they are a different gender by very young ages. So while they're in preschool, for example. So how do we understand this, um, that they want to they want to be called by a different name than their gender or the name that they were and just say that, no, I'm a, um, if they were born a boy, no, I'm a girl or a girl for a boy, that kind of thing. What's happening to these young children? Would they, you know, they haven't gone through puberty or any kind of sexual um you know, experiences or anything like that. So how can they say that they're a different gender? Are they transgender? How do we handle young children and how do we, in um, you know, kind of deal with that situation as parents or friends of people who have children that are stating they're a different gender? Mm-hmm. Well, let me just, first of all, encourage all of us to avoid, I think, two two extremes that could be just so destructive. And, and on the one end, it would be to say, uh, to, to respond to that child and just say, no, you are wrong. God doesn't, God doesn't like this. You must live as a boy. You must live as a girl. And to, in a sense, lay down this mandate on a young child. Uh, on the other end, it would be to, in a sense, just go with it. And I, and I actually think this is where a lot of parents can can want to walk because it seems to be the compassionate thing is to let that three or four year old determine the course that they're going to walk. Um, what's happening in a in a young child? Um, 
you know, it's going to be different on, on each person. And so I'm, I can't give any blanket, um, blanket absolute truths on that, but I, I can say this, that I think there's mystery. Uh, there's mystery in how a, a young child would be having that gender dysphoric type of situation. Again, a biblical lens is going to inform us that somehow even that little three-year-old or four-year-old is experiencing the impact of the fall, and that's going to be unique to each person. Generally, um, in a lot of situations, there there can be some clues that might give insight into why that child is um, is verbalizing those things or articulating these things. Not not always. As, as I mentioned, I think it is very mysterious. But I think just recently about a, a friend of mine whose four-year-old daughter was starting to declare, I'm a boy. I, I want to be a boy. But when you, when you drill down a little bit, and as I talked with, with this young girl's mom, uh, she could see that there had been a recent um, incident with some other girls that had been very painful, even as a, as a four-year-old feeling kind of left out. Um, this four-year-old has an older brother who she loves and wants to be around, including being around his friends who are, you know, two other little boys. Now, that might seem, you know, kind of a stereotypical example, but I generally think that there are some clues. Like this little girl, she was more wanting to fit in, to conform and fit in. And I, in many situations, that's at least a part of the equation. But, you know, Melanie, I have to be honest that uh, I do think there is mystery in this. And we would be, I think, unwise at best to try to just do a coverall statement on why children are, are wrestling in various degrees that they are with this. So I think that this whole issue of gender identity has to be, you know, approached compassionately. So how do you um, respond to the person that's listening who's probably struggled secretly for years? Or there's some people out there, Christians, with their birth gender and they feel um, kind of alone. How, um, how should we respond to that person or what should that person do in their struggle? Yeah, mm. Yeah, and I, I would suspect that there are there are people listening that perhaps this has been a secret a secret struggle they've had for for many many years. And I actually do want to jump in and mention that that that's been actually another aspect of some growing calls to our ministry are from married couples with one of the spouses in a sense coming out as a transgendered individual. Uh, and I think that's been influenced by the cultural acceptance. And so that couple is now trying to navigate what to do. And they're calling us kind of similar to the question that you're asking right now is, what, what, what do we do with this? Or what should an individual do with this? Well, you know, the, the first thing I would just, again, want to so affirm that Christ, Christ is compassionate towards you and, and loves you. He is not judging you for this internal struggle, that this is something that you've carried on inside of you. But he is inviting, is inviting you to reach out for help to the Lord and to trusted other people that are going to be able to assist you and help you discern how, how did this arise in you? Like where, what, are, what is some of the distress in your own perhaps heart life that has helped feed this or has helped um, help this to be, I don't know, maybe cultivated in your life as you have 
gone along your own life journey. And again, I've got to speak broadly here because this could be a 18-year-old or a 68-year-old. Um, but it's first understanding that the God is a God of compassion. He wants to help you, and I believe has people that are that can help you. That Christ can restore what in you perhaps has again experienced the brokenness of the fall. I do want to say too that I would encourage a person to reach out for help to perhaps address the deeper issues going on, and this is going to be particularly true. I would say for anyone who is young adult and older, and the reason I say that is most likely these have been things that they've been wrestling with for years, if not decades, and I I would suspect that there are some deeper internal issues that need to be addressed. And this is where having other people alongside you is so helpful, not just to go to to help you in those deeper issues of your heart and life, but to walk with you in a discipleship context of what does it mean to walk faithfully in light of the gender which God assigned to you. Well, um, I know that there's probably a lot of teenagers who struggle with this too, and especially parents. In fact, um, I was talking recently to someone, um, a Christian colleague, who have good friends where their uh, teenage Um, child is struggling with this in a very significant way. And there's just so many stories of, you know, teenage suicide or people bullying them. How should parents respond? How should Christians' parents respond with the situation if their son or daughter comes to them and says that they're struggling with their their gender? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I want to kind of emphasize what I I shared just a moment ago is responding with, with compassion and patience and being, even as a parent, a safe person for this young person to grapple with these things and to reach out for help. Keeping that door open for the child to feel comfortable talking and sharing is going to be so important. Um, some other kind of broad strokes things are, again, going back to helping that, helping that um, young child get to some of the deeper things perhaps going on in their heart. But some broad strokes um, ideas for parents are um, one of the ways you're going to love your your child is by discipling them that life is for God's glory. Now, that might seem cliche. That might seem like, oh, are we just telling them to, you know, open the Bible, obey God, and forget about this? No, I'm not saying that. But there really is freedom and I would say joy alongside the angst of any struggle when we realize that we belong to God and that God has our best in mind as we live for Him. Another, another aspect of that, Melanie, is that uh, parents really need to help their children by modeling how do we trust in Jesus, walk dependent upon God, and struggle well in the midst of painful circumstances and perhaps very long, perhaps even lifelong struggles. Uh, Many of the parents that are just going so fast down the road to get their um, adolescence on puberty-blocking hormones or even to pursue surgery, one of the primary drivers in that is they want to 
protect their child from any pain. Um, and again, you brought up the idea of teen, teen suicide, which is significant. We don't want to take that. We don't want to take that lightly. But the the reality is that that research um, and statistics show that suicide mortality rate among people that have gone through transition transition surgeries and have even taken hormones that the suicide rates are actually higher than from those that that didn't and that's actually i think a lie that's being promoted is that if you just go with your child's convictions if you let her or let him get on those hormone blockers or actually pursue um, surgery, um, that that's going to eliminate all the internal angst and distress. And it just doesn't. Will it alleviate some of that? Well, probably in, in some situations it will. Uh, but I, I remember seeing um, a story on PBS about, it was called Growing Up Trans. And I think one of the most thought-provoking aspects of this was a trans man. Um, this was a, a woman who had transitioned towards a man in her teen life, and now it was in her twenty. He was in his twenties, and just could say honestly um, that the struggles he had had on the inside before all this that they hadn't been alleviated, even as now he had gone the full course. And so, I do want to say to parents is you need to walk really slow and not make any fast decisions, especially on pursuing any kind of medical procedures with your child. So for as Christians in our churches, you know, we were talking about how to show compassion to people, both families and then the people who are struggling with this issue. And how do we um, keep our commitment to the Word of God and to biblical truth, especially when maybe somebody who's transgender comes to our church? How do we enfold them? but also, you know, remain strong to our biblical convictions uh, upon the Word of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, you know, I don't think it's really different than, than any, other, any other area with somebody coming, coming into our, our local churches, and we hope they will. We hope there will be many transgender people that will come through the doors of our churches. Uh, we want to we receive them. We want to embrace them with the love of Christ, with compassion, and with integrous biblical loving discipleship, which sooner or later with anybody is going to address issues of relationships, sexuality, and increasingly our gender. And so let's say, uh, I mean, let's say a person would come in and perhaps they're in the midst of that transition and it's it's actually obvious that this is a transgender person. I think there are many people that are transgender, and, and you wouldn't necessarily know it. But for the person that comes and says, hey, this is my reality, I'm not sure what I believe about Jesus, but uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on this, we're going to disciple them, and part of that discipleship is going to be teaching about gender, gender distinctions, even as we are avoiding stereotypes. And there's a lot of cultural stereotypes, and I would say there's even a lot of Christian stereotypes about what it means to be male or female. We want to stick to what Scripture says, that actually there's a lot of freedom in how we express ourselves, male or female. But coming back to the point that we would disciple even children about life is to be lived for God's glory, that we don't belong to ourselves 
that's going to be a part of how we want to also um, enter into and engage the transgender person that comes into our church if if they are wanting that type of discipleship, um, if they are refusing that type of discipleship, if they are especially a professing Christian and refusing to acknowledge what Scripture might say on this, well, then we're probably going to need to have some harder, tougher conversations with that person of challenging them, challenging their what they're believing and how they're living. So finally, can you share a story of anyone who has struggled with gender dysphoria but chose a different path than perhaps transitioning to a different gender and had a positive outcome? Yeah. Yeah, I think about one um, one woman who, who I know well who um, grew up um, and, I mean, she's an older adult now, and so a lot of the, the vocabulary even that we've used on this on this uh, podcast, Melanie, wouldn't wouldn't have been talked about then, but um, felt more boyish even as a young girl. She identified with boys, wanted to be a boy. Uh, she was really honest and said that even as she came into her teen years uh, and would have sexual fantasies, that she identified more with um, male, even in these fantasies of her own making. And Again, if she if she would have been say twenty years old now, she probably would be would have been a great candidate to consider surgery or perhaps even just uh, dressing male. Um, but she came she actually came to faith in Christ as a college student, and she tells how it actually wasn't until her thirties that um, she had a long slow process growing as a Christian, growing and understanding what it even meant to be female. And she says in her 30s that that was when um, she really began to realize that while she hadn't been a a man hater, that she had really disregarded men um, as being, even though she had identified with one, she also really wanted to fit in with women, which had kind of led to her own attractions to women. But in her 30s, she really began to realize um, in her faith walk that she had disregarded half of God's image-bearing creation. And that's what started a several years process of uh, repentance and healing and coming into a place of what she said just a few years ago to me is that she'd come into a place of just so delighting in godly manhood, and, and, and delighting in how God had created men is radically different from women, and she's at a place now where she really enjoys and celebrates her femaleness, and so it's a beautiful story, and I, I wonder, again, if she was 15 today, how her story might have been very different with peers, um, mentors, perhaps even her parents saying, well, of course you're struggling, you must be a trans, you must be transgender, why don't you walk this road? And so, again, each person's story is different, but for the person listening who is wrestling, um, for the parent of somebody who is wrestling, uh, go very slow in any decisions you're making, especially regarding any kind of medical action, and consider, consider how Christ in a biblical view can lead you down a different spacious path with your gender struggle into a place that um, that the Lord wants to meet you in and, again, lead you out into a place of wholeness and 
only Christ can give that internally. So kind of a long answer, Melanie, but I, uh, I, I did want to share that story of this woman whose life is, is radically different. Well, this has been a very important conversation. But on a lighter note now, I want to ask Ellen some fun rapid-fire questions. So are you a morning person or a night owl? Morning, 100%. And for Christmas dinner, will you be having ham or turkey or both? Probably both. And since Christmas is coming up, is there something uh, you can tell us on your Christmas gift wish list? You know, I don't really need much, but I'm, I'm, I'm always up for a Starbucks gift card or scented candles. And is there any book that you can recommend that you've been reading lately? Hmm. Um, let's see. I've been reading a few different ones. Um, I, uh, let's see. <laughs> Um, well, yeah, I, I've, um, I've just about finished, um, a book on the Holy Spirit by A.W. Tozer that had been assigned to me, and, uh, it's been good to just kind of be freshly made aware of the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, thanks, Ellen, for being a guest on the Postmodern Realities Podcast. Thanks, Melanie. Today's guest, Ellen Dykus, has written a feature article in our upcoming December 2016 issue, 39 number 6, which is called The Unending Bending of Gender, Helpful or Harmful. And to read Ellen's article, please subscribe to the Christian Research Journal. A six-issue subscription is $39.50, and to subscribe, go to equip.org. If you'd like to subscribe plus give some gift subscriptions for Christmas, we have a special offer running right now for your regular subscription of $39.50. You can purchase any additional gift subscriptions for only $25, and there is no limit. And this special offer is only available by calling our customer service department at 888-7000-CRI. Be sure you also tune in daily to the Bible Answer Man broadcast hosted by CRI President Hank Canegraaff, who answers your questions live on air. To ask Hank a question, call 888-ASK-HANK at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. To listen to the live stream of the show, as well as previous broadcasts, go to equip.org, where you can also download our free smartphone app, where you can live stream the Bible Answer Man broadcast, listen to previous broadcasts, and subscribe to the Christian Research Journal. So until our ne- next author conversation, thanks for tuning in to Postmodern Realities Podcast.